In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. We're a well-oiled machine here at Good Shepherd. Don't forget that. Tonight, of course, is the big night. We've all brought in our cans in support of our favorite team, or maybe we brought them in support of our least disliked team. We've ordered our pizza, our wings, our food and beverage. We're ready to gather with family and friends, or maybe just sit by ourselves. The TV is ready to show us all the action, the commercials, and of course, the halftime show. And Taylor Swift in the box. It's the big night, the Super Bowl. I know, uh, I, I have not, I, ca- I cannot say that I've watched every Super Bowl every year of my life, uh, and not even during my adult life, right? But ever since I was in middle school and our youth group at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Ardmore, Pennsylvania, I've been watching the big game. I think I counted it up, it's over 30 Super Bowls notched in my proverbial football belt. And yet, I know this is going to shock many of you, and yet on so many of those games, I have to say I have had no idea what's been going on. <laughs> Over the years, I've even come to say, I just watch for the commercials, but that, that's not exactly entirely true because I have tried to understand what is going on. I'm the annoying person at the party who's constantly asking people, what does that mean? And why did he do that? And what rule did that person just break? Now, things have gotten better recently, much better, in fact, with the improvement of on-screen graphics. The major networks do a fantastic job uh, having the announcers paint the screen with yellow lines. There are now arrows that point you in the direction of play. There are statistics that magically appear. There are so many different camera angles, and then there are those little pre-recorded videos of each player without his helmet on, smiling brightly into the camera <laughs> as he turns around. I actually can know what they look like now. It's good. But still, despite all of the advanced technologies, all the improvements in how to watch the Super Bowl, I have to say I'm just not a big football fan. I don't know what's wrong. I watch the big game. I try to pay attention. I even root for a team. And now if if that's not enough, I'm going to tell you something, and if you're a football person, you'll have to ask me on the way out. I even root for a team, especially when it's the Eagles, the Steelers, the Ravens, or the Dolphins. You can ask me why on the way out. Today, Father Derek, you're going to have to forgive me for this. Today is the Super Bowl for Jesus in our gospel. It is the transfiguration of Jesus on the mountaintop. It is Super Bowl Sunday for him. It is this incredible mountaintop moment filled with all of the drama of lights and smoke and sounds and everything you could ever imagine. Jesus' plan that he has been walking, kind of executing consciously or unconsciously, is being affirmed by God. But not just by God, also by Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets, who both show up to be with him on the mountain. 
Jesus is the one who was promised to come, and Jesus is blessed by God directly in the cloud, which represents God's presence. And if that's not enough, there's even a voice, an audible voice from heaven that affirms who he is and reminds all who hear to, to listen to him. But it's just Peter and James and John who are up there with him, and they are both terrified and amazed. This moment, this transfiguration moment, marks the end of the, the, the uh, church's season of epiphany, which is characterized by Jesus being revealed to us slowly. These last five, six weeks have been all about revealing who Jesus is to us. And if you haven't been here, that's fine. I'm going to give you a very, 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 very quick recap of what we've talked about. Jesus calls his disciples, make you fishers of people, and we learn that Jesus sees us, that he loves us, that he meets us where we are, and then he calls us to follow him. Jesus casts out the demon in the synagogue. We learn that Jesus isn't afraid of upsetting the established order of things, and that his very presence is a threat to the religious authority of the time. Jesus heals people in the middle of their ordinary lives. We learn that our mission in this world is not to just be done in the safety of home base, not just here on Sunday morning, but on the tightrope of life in between Sundays. You can go back and watch all of those great sermons uh, at your leisure on YouTube. But today... Today we learn one more thing about Jesus. The lectionary writers have rounded out our understanding of him in this short season of the church with the transfiguration. But the problem, the problem is that what's happening today is kind of hard to put into words. We experience a mystery today. We, we learn kind of that Jesus and God are related, that they're connected in some particular way, and that their, their connection reaches back through time to the people of Israel, that even the law and the prophets anticipate him. And today we also see the Jesus of the future, glowing, radiant, white, transfigured as he will be after his death and resurrection. The mountain of transfiguration is timeless in this way, reaching backward and forward, it is both awe-inspiring and terrifying. It is mysterious and ethereal, and yet it is grounded in the realness of who Moses and Elijah were and in God's audible voice. It's all of those things in one short scene. And there are some of us in this room, up here, up here, out there, and we love this moment. We love this transfiguration mountaintop moment. It brings a smile to our face uh, because for us, we have been up that mountain. We've experienced God's closeness in that way that when we read this gospel, we see and we feel maybe how it would have felt for those disciples who were bearing witness to God coming close to us. Today, we're going to baptize Henry Wang and we pray that this is a mountaintop moment for him and for his family and friends who have gathered around the baptismal font, around the, the waters of new life that reminds us that God loves us and will never leave us. We pray that we would have 
lights and sounds and fog and all of that experience in our mind's eye this day. But, but I bet there are some of you who are listening here or maybe online, some of you who are wondering, what is the big deal? I don't, I don't get it. I just, I don't feel it. Maybe you're just a little bit skeptical, or, or, or maybe it's more serious than that. Maybe, maybe you haven't had a mountaintop moment, and you're, you're not looking at Jesus' big mountaintop moment as something that's really that true to life for you. Maybe, maybe you can get behind all of the other things we've learned during this epiphany season about Jesus, but this one today, the transfiguration, who Jesus is on the mountain just pushes it a little bit too far for you, too mysterious, too ethereal, too far-fetched. And if I'm being honest, I don't blame you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're hearing these words, probably because of someone you're sitting next to, frankly. But I don't blame you because I've witnessed 30-plus Super Bowls and I still don't get it. It's just too mysterious. It's too hyped up for me. I don't get what the whole thing of it is. But I want to tell you that something happened to me just a few months ago. Something happened to me that has made me look at today a little bit differently. Not a lot differently, but a little bit differently. A few months ago, I was um, Netflix scrolling. I don't know if you know what that is. That's where you go onto Netflix and you just go with your remote for like 30 or 60 or minute or 90 minutes and you just look for something to watch. And then you realize you've spent as much time as it would have taken to watch an entire movie just looking at different titles. Okay, not many of you do that. You're more organized than me. And I saw there was a, a cool thumbnail, and it, it said quarterback. And it was a TV show, eight episodes long. It was actually more of a documentary about three quarterbacks in the NFL. It followed uh, them and their families through kind of a season. And I clicked on it. I don't know why. I clicked on it. And do you know who one of the quarterbacks was? Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahone, who's going to be playing tonight. And do you know what happened? I kept watching. I watched the next episode and the next episode, and by, soon enough, I had watched all eight episodes. I actually really got into it. It was a miracle of some sort, a football miracle, I guess. And so I guess, I guess I'm rooting for the Chiefs tonight. <laughs> Not because... Not because I necessarily found Patrick to be a particularly profound character in the lectionary of characters that we watch on TV and in movies, and not because I think he's an amazing athlete. I don't really know enough to be the judge of whether he's an amazing athlete or not. But because I feel like, in a weird way, I feel like I know him just a little bit. I feel like I... I, I, I know who he is. I, I kind of know who his family is just a little bit, just enough, the tiniest little bit to make tonight feel different to me as we trudge up the mountain of Super Bowl to see what we're going to see up there. And so if you don't quite get it, this whole Jesus thing transfigured on the mountain, be of good company. Because as we come to the end of Epiphany and we prepare for Ash Wednesday, which starts this more somber and penitential season of Lent, don't lose heart. 
for those of you who are not being swept up in Jesus' transfiguration today. Because if, if me, my watching a Netflix series make me, makes me feel like I might actually enjoy the big game tonight just a little bit more, that minuscule amount, I guarantee you God can do a hundred or a thousand or a million times more with a small connection that you have in your life, a family member, a friend, a coworker, an acquaintance, maybe even a priest. That if my little connection through a TV screen can make me more excited about tonight, not that I anticipate a transfiguration moment tonight, but if that can happen to me, God can do so much more for you. Because remember, Jesus didn't walk up the mountain by himself. He walked up with his friends. It wasn't just about the transfiguration at the top. It was about step after step after step of the hike to walk up the mountain and then step after step after step walking down. Where their friendship became the substance of their faith. It's nothing new in the life of the church. God's been using the connections and relationships we have with each other to show God's face forever. That's the whole thing about the Bible, is that God comes to be with us in the face of our neighbor, that we see God in each other, and we walk together for long periods of time. Most of our life is just walking together. It's not getting transfigured every day. That only happens a few times. And yet it's in those few times that changes the whole way that we walk. It's in those connections that we see God coming close to us. It's in that company. We call them the saints. We could just call them friends for today. It's in the company of friends that we witness those mysterious and larger-than-life moments, those moments that make every moment thereafter different and more glorious and more worthy of enjoying and soaking up so that we might find in our journey with each other a mountain, a moment that reminds us that God has come near to you and to me. Amen.